Good morning everybody. I am Snigdha Sharma. I am going to present the Hindu editorial dated 6 January 2020. A very happy new year to you all and the new year resolution this year is to read this newspaper editorial daily without a break. We have taken in a break and promise you not to take further. This podcast is for those who do not have time to read newspaper themselves. The analysis of the editorial is given on the last segment of the podcast. Let's get started. Happy preparation. So the article is shock treatment will not work in agriculture. This article is written by Sarthi Acharya and Santosh Mehrotra. Post 1991 changes in industry causes second industrialization the result in agriculture are likely to be no different. Almost all sections of people including farmers including farmers agree that the agriculture produce market committee policy for in agriculture market initiated 1960s for a few crops have outlived their utility and the system needs a new policy in the face of agriculture sector's growth slowdown the crop composition not widening and investment in land are not happening recently the government of the india uh, of the day has opened up the output market with the aim to let market forces improve efficiency and create more values for farmers and the economy These laws states that the farmers are now free to sell all their products anywhere and to anyone beyond the physical premises of APMC markets. Additionally, the law promotes contract farming through establishing partnerships between farmers and food processing companies and also permit unlimited holdings of food except in special circumstances. What farmers want? Three main suggestions were put forth by farmers when we recently made inquiries with them. One, the produce prices should be the cost of production plus a reasonable markup. Two, fluctuation in prices should be minimal, and there should be a little or no interface with uh, legal or administrative officials. They are not comfortable dealing with sahibs and the police. All these farmers' concerns have been ignored in the way the current laws are drafted. Initially, as the law, old laws are being repealed. They said that there is a need for a wider view of the sector to include more crops. This of the government encourages farmers to move from wheat to vegetables. Markets for the latter should address all the above three aspects. New markets are an unknown. The first law of the minimum support price Monday is a known devil, but the new markets will be an unknown ghost with no control over them by anyone. Thus, while malpractice in Mondays are known and local leaders, members of parliament, members of um, legislative assemblies, panchayats are often brought into in twent uh, farmers into went farmers anchor or arbitrate in difficult situations malpractices in the new systems are neither forecast able nor is there any authority to report to next while the government says that the mandi msp system will continue the question is for how long if the alternative traders offer better prices farmers will go there and not to the mandis as is already in the case highlighted in the recent media article by guru charandas what happens after 2 to 3 years when the regulated mandis become weaker or begin to shut down due to lack of businesses there are many issues here traders could reduce the price or uh, more than one pretext such as finding faults with the products declining to buy on the pretext of glut a wait and watch strategy defaulting a payment and so on since traders are few at least locally they can form cartels while farmers many this is imminently possible The farmers are further handicapped by the fact that they come from long distances with loads of several quintals, tons of produce on hire tractors going back 
owing to the transport costs incurred is not an option for them. Their situation worsens when the cash needs are immediate, where is the case for the small farmers who constitute 90% plus of those who sell at the mandis at MSP. Advantage corporate buyers. The second law has somewhat similar issues. The corporate buyers might just not buy the full quantity of the product on one or another pretext or delay payments uh, or delay payments. And if um, farmers complain, the corporate have access to a battery of lawyers, the fine print and contracts, advantage of language, and above all, the capacity to wait it out. In both the above cases, the problem is of contracts between the unequals, whether it is traders or um, Corporates, they are far fewer with deeper pockets and they will deal with poor, little educated uh, small farmers. About 85% of uh, have two or less hectares of land, resulting in unequal outcomes. The other issue is in regard to different regions and crops. Many proponents of the agri-marketing laws maintain that farmers from outside the wheat rice belts in northern India are not protesting. Evidently so, since the country is diverse with some 15 agroclimatic zones and has over 50 crops grown. Issues and farmers' re- reactions. We also forget that farmers protest against policies in areas where they hail from, like in, in eastern India. Farmers revolted in 1860 against indigo farming. Mapillas revolted in 1921. Or even the Warli Adivasi's revolt of 1945. More recently, 1970s to 2010s, uh, Sharad Joshi led agitations for the farmer sectors, mainly in Maharashtra, farmers in Tamil Nadu had protests demanding cowry water. Cowry water. There are many more examples. Farmers protest against problems that affect them. They are not a homogeneous lot. If in 2020 a new policy is being formulated, why is it ironically uniform for all farmers? All land and all crops of opening up the markets, markets which are almost fully opaque, unequal and having imperfect information. What happens to the same in a arid areas and farmers are in where crop outcomes are certain uncertain what happens to small and marginal farmers who have little to market and are largely inarticulate how will risk be mitigated if um, farmers move from wheat rice cultivation to more volatile crops such as vegetables and fruits or pest prone crops such as cotton or what happens to landless laborers who have migrated from far away to work in fields such as from Bihar to Punjab should there not be a comprehensive policy in regard to agriculture sector rather than a shock treatment for agri markets alone? Expert recommendations. The so far neglected problems of stagnation, high, put, high input prices in agriculture can be addressed through a systematic approach proposed by the MS Swaminathan Commission and or the Ashok Dalvai Commission. Typical examples are transitions being worked out for farmers to move out the water soaking paddy crops in Punjab Haryana to other crops, saying in five years they would reduce the area under paddy by 25 to 30%. And the loss they incur in the short run will be compensated by the government. This could, for example, also be done for sugarcane investment in Maharashtra. Shock treatments do not work anywhere, be it agriculture, industry, or the economy. Many, as in industry post 1991, shut down due to shock treatment then resulting in a second industrialization and the loss of hundreds of thousands of industrial jobs. The results in agriculture are likely to be no different in the face of shocks. Satya Acharya is a daily chair professor Institute for Human Development. Santosh Mehrotra is the editor for Reviving Jobs and Agenda for Growth.
third article of the day is England in lockdown. The rapid spread of the new COVID-19 variant should alert other countries to remain vigilant. In a bid to control the spread of the highly transmissible transmissible new COVID-19 variant VOC 2020-2021, the UK announced a Monday of fresh lockdown in London and Southeast England, which is expected to be enforced till mid-February. The decision comes after much dithering. The scientific advisory panel had recommended days before Christmas that the government considers a national lockdown, including shutting down education institutions. As on January 4th, the UK has reported 2.7 million cases and over 75,500 deaths, the second highest toll in Europe. More than 50,000 new cases have been reported daily since December 29, 2020, with a peak of nearly 59,000 cases on January 4, and over 400 deaths daily. On Monday, Monday, more than 26,000 COVID-19 patients were admitted in hospitals, an increase of 30% from the previous week. Though the new variant does not cause increased disease severity or mortality, a surge in cases and hospitalization can lead to more deaths. It is more transmissible. The uh, reason why the reproduction number, number of people a person can infect is 1.5 to 1.7 the spread is considered to be under control where the reproduction number is less than one based on the analysis of cases and genome sequences nearly 45500 samples collected from england between september 21 and december 13 it was found that even during the previous lockdown the new variant spread in many locations this even as a fresh cases were generally dropping due to reduced spread of the then dominant strain there is evident a uh, that the earlier lockdown was effective in containing the previously predominant strain suggesting that the new variant grow in absolute terms the rapid spread of the new variant even during the previous lockdown might not reflect a general failure of control measures but highlights the inherent nature of new variant to rapidly spread given its higher transmissibility that area with slower baseline virus spread also reported a slightly reduced spread of the new variant suggests that it is indeed possible to reduce if not suppress the transmission of the new variant if the lockdown is stricter and compliance is better it is for this reason that unlike in the previous lockdown school and universities too are to be closed now the new variant appears to affect a greater proportion of individuals under 20 years the selective spread among the young might uh, probably be more because education institutions were open during the previous lockdown than due to inherent nature of the virus since resurgence of the new variant is likely when the lockdown is lifted the focus is on accelerating vaccine rollout so much so that the population is protected and transmission is cut the spread of new variants should alert other countries particularly south africa where a problematic mutation has been found to remain vigilant More about a governance the Ghazabad disaster underscores the need for regular audit of civic projects even to those families with an arche that characterize india's public spaces the collapse of a newly built shelter in crematorium in muradabad um, muradnagar muradnagar new peace ghazabad district killing at least 44 people is a shock a group attending a funeral sheltered from rain in the structure when its roof crumbled the death and injuries have left families distraught since women are not part of funeral rites in crematoria they came to know of the fate of the men much later a token a solatium has been announced by the up government for the next of kin of the dead and relief measures for others but the loss of breadwinners who were in low paying jobs has left the family members destitute the state has grown great alacrity in arresting poor people including a junior engineer besides a contractor 
citing culpable homicide causing hurt and endangering lives these are indicators that it may use the national security act against some of the accused such measures cannot produce consistent improvement to governance but the yogi adityanath government's a favored image is that of strong enforcement which it has sought to demonstrate time and again by shooting down encounters those with a criminal record that approach can do little to improve up standing the gasabad disaster is clearly the product of a system that lacks transparency and audits and does not yield to quick fixes fixes or measures meant to aid deterrence every year the monsoon in extracts a penalty in the form of collapsed building in the several states just over 3 years ago several people died when parts of bus stand caved in near kombatur in tamil nadu appalled by the 41 deaths in building disaster at bhavadi bhavandi maharashtra in september last year the bombay high court framed questions for municipal authorities including the basic premises are those in authority completely helpless in preventing the collapse of structures and stopping the loss of life the court also emphasized that citizens have the right to live in safe buildings and environment within the meaning of article 21 what happened in gazabad is particularly deplorable as a cremation ground is an essential facility entirely within the ambit of public authorities to maintain there are suggestions that the structure was poorly designed lacking stability due to use of inferior materi- materials or the contractor had several projects assigned to him in the district these and other charges including favoritism including po- involving politicians are best proved by an independent judicial members which adidnan should realize that upia lagard on many development metrics can transform itself only through rule of law and efficient implementation of public projects the horror of muradnagar should impel his government to act the changing contours of india uk ties the two countries have shared past and need to chart a different shared future this article is written by krishnan srinivasan prime minister narendra modi has made many sudden and surprising decisions some felicitous other disastrous among the former uh, were invitation to leaders of south asian association for regional cooperation to attend in 2014 swearing in and his visit to lahore in 2015 among the latter were demonetization namaste trump's spectacle last february yet to be defined in either category is a startling invitation to british prime minister boris johnson who due to ravages of covid-19 mutation in the uk has expressed his inability to attend uh, truncated version of india's republic day parade this month mr johnson is a colorful and controversial character often portrayed in the british media as a clown but no one can doubt his capacity for maneuver and staying power choosing a chief guest the nomination of chief guest for the republic day parade is the prime minister's exclusive gift and he or she is not known to consult others in or outside the cabinet american president donald trump was mr modi's first choice for january 2019 but the honor eventually fell to mr trump okay mr trump's alter ego brazilian president jair bolsonaro mr modi's selections are revealing US President Barack Obama in 2015, Prince President Franco S. Hollande in 2016, Crown Prince of the United Arab Emirates in 2017, Asian leaders in 2018, South African President Cyril Ramaphosa in 2019, Mr. Bolsonaro in 2020, and Mr. Johnson for 2021. With 193 countries in the United Nations, the Prime Minister's choice have mostly been leaders identified with the Western camp. Besides this invitation uh, to Britain was the sixth of that country, more than any other the nation india has a shared past with britain and it should chart a different shared future now now that 
Britain has left the European Union. One joint enterprise will be a member of the UN Security Council where Britain has permanent statute and India holds a non-permanent seat this year and next. And this year Mr Johnson will be hosting India as an invitee to the G7 and the UN climate change conference. There is much in common between Mr Modi's uh, recent invites Mr Bolsonaro, Mr Trump and Mr Johnson. All their countries have been ravaged by the virus and each of them have been infected with COVID-19. They are all populist nationalists advocating make my country great again and make my country first. Their brand of democratic politics is self-centered and impervious to criticism. Mr. Johnson propelled himself to British national politics through leadership of Brexit campaign in 2016 and to the prime ministership by leading a revolt against his predecessor. the resa may who had promised a friction free brexit he has now delivered one that is a tariff and quota free and allegedly take takes back control over our money border laws trade and fishing waters but has potential for friction both with the eu and domestically brexit will never cease to divide between britain and already caused tension between whitehall whitehall and two of the devolved regions scotland and northern ireland mr modi visited the uk in 2015 when six major agreements were concluded it is unlikely that any assessment has been made of the implementation of these accords but in contemporary diplomacy it is common for a raft of new treaties to be superimposed to be superimposed on existing ones even when there is insufficient progress a fortuitous a fortuitous invite fortuitous invite fortuitous From Britain's point of view, Mr. Modi's invitation to its Prime Minister was fortuitous because Brexit necessitates that every effort be made to seek a commercial advantage in Asian countries with high growth rates. India has been fruitlessly negotiating a trade agreement with the EU since 2007, during which Britain was considered the main deal breaker. The EU wanted newly reductions on autos wines and spirits and wanted india to open financial sectors such as banking insurance postal legal accountancy maritime and security and retail india has always sought a free movement for service professions the same obstacles was posed brexit britains will arise because the export profile of both countries is predominantly services oriented in response to free movement for professionals britain will refer to its new points based system for immigrants while after withdrawing from the regional comprehensive economic partnership india is cautious about negotiating any new trade agreements and will place greater stress on aspects related to country of origin and percentage of value addition and in exports therefore when the time comes from discrete agreement with the britain the two countries may settle for a limited one perhaps covering pharmaceuticals financial technology chemicals defense productions and petroleum and food products close relation india uk links are substantial one and a half million persons of india origin reside in britain one of them are members of parliament three in cabinet and two holding high offices as finances and home ministers before covid-19 there were half a million tourists from india to britain annually and twice that figure is the reverse a uh, direction around 30000 indians study in britain despite restrictive opportunities for post graduation employment britain is among the top investors in india and india is the second biggest investors and a major job creator in britain india has a credit balance in total trade of 16 billion dollars but the level is below india's trade with switzerland or germany or belgium in one aspect of his invitation to mr johnson prime minister modi was remarkably prescient 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 
and uh, november last year when the invitation was extended there were short odds uh, against mr johnson continuing as a uh, prime minister beyond march this year with the eu british trade agreement concluded in the dying hours of 2020 the betting now is that mr johnson will lead his conservative party into the next election in 2024 as prime minister mr modi would now be well advised to cut back further on republic day celebrations in recognition of the country suffering during the past year krishnan srinivasan is a former foreign secretary The hurdles and these great power ambitions to achieve global leadership China needs more than wealth and military power. Yogesh Gupta is the author of the article. We will we will all remember 2000 term 2020 in terms of how COVID-19 spread the world from Wuhan China despite an alert by dedicated doctors. because uh, the chinese communist party leadership deterred in informing the world and the world health organization on time instead of cooperating and finding the origin of the virus chinese president xi jinping decided to use a strategic opportunity to launch military assaults against taiwan india vietnam philippines japan to fortify china's claims on disputed territories xi's dream signs of mr xi being an ambitious leader were visible early on F- following his appointment as vice chairman of the central military commission in october 2010 there was a spurt in china's militarization of south china sea including recurrent forays into disputed territories after taking over as general secretary of the ccp in november 2012 mr xi consolidated his hold by eliminating his rivals in an anti corruption campaign pushing his relatives and friends into the politburo and demolishing patronage networks of rival leaders in november 2014 mr xi summoned in china's foreign policy and military light to beijing and told them that it was time for china to embrace big country diplomacy the following Uh, the following month he informed politburo members that he planned to make china's voice heard in the international forum in october 2017 mr xi spoke of his dream of restoring china to a great power status on par with the us by 2049 and building a world class army by 2035 but the policies mr xi is following state domination of the economy with increasing reliance on the public sector slowing down of market reforms uh, accumulation of high debt unproductive expenditures lack of reforms in education and health erosion of human freedoms and increasing isolation of china due to its aggressive policies will not take china towards greatness rather they will slow down economic growth this is better for us China does not have the cheap migrant labor and favorable international environment that it had in Deng Xiaoping's Xiaoping's era. Mrs. Xi and other Chinese leaders have closely followed how the US obtained its great power status by mastering emerging technologies, modernizing the armed forces and setting up network of allies. Mrs. Xi has used all the tricks available to achieve supremacy in 5G, available artificial intelligence, quantum computing and new materials including force transfer and stealing of technologies, the concept of restructuring an armed forces and particularly introducing joint theater commands has been borrowed from the US. Mrs. 
Tbilisi has commenced a rapid military build-up that is unprecedented in peacetime in recent history that is aimed at rivaling the US's military capability in a few years. China has the biggest navy in the world. The Belt and Road Initiative was announced in 2013 to seek new markets and allies for political, economic and strategic use. New ports for civilian and military use are being sought at Gwadar, that is Pakistan, Jas- Jask, that is Iran, Dishwati, Hambantura, Hambantota, Sri Lanka and Silhan, Silhan Kuwile, Cambodia and other places to project power overseas. Scaling back plans. Not surprisingly, not unsurprisingly, all this has been done under the CCP's program of socialism with China characteristics. Little attention has been paid to improve the quality of education in sciences, technologies and mathematics, which underpins the West's success in its advances in technology. The capability of high technology equipment like the fifth generation fighter aircraft, aircraft carriers and long-range boomers uh, remains inferior in China as the country is unable to procure indic- indigenous advanced technologies. I just felt like saying boom, 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 boom. <laughs> several, several American experts believe that China's equipment is at least one generation behind theirs. Dead red in China is scaling back. It's a BRI project as many have become financially unviable. These were conceived uh, to fleas. Okay, Mrs. Z never took into account the vulnerabilities of recipients' countries concerned about the growth of corruption and its impact on the control of the party. Mrs. Z has slowed down market reforms, which were the backbone of China's prosperity in the last three decades. The US model. Despite being the second largest economy, China has few allies and friends, except Pakistan and North Korea. Mr. C fails to realize that US's status as a global leader was based not only on its wealth and military power, but also the lure of its governance models, ability to coordinate responses to international crises and provision of global public goods such as freedom of ideas, equality, education, foreign aid, encouragement of free trade, security of international shipping lanes, and fight against terrorism. China has shown little interest in delivering global public goods. Mr. Xi believes that China will be able to impose its will on the rest of the world by sheer use of power, forgetting that besides China, there are a number of other countries such as UK, France, Japan, India, and Australia, which have also acquired economic and military power and are capable of resisting its abusive behavior. Worried at the power prospect of President-elect Joe Biden uniting the U.S.'s alliances with partners in resist- resisting China's practices to resist the Z regime, is trying to divide the transatlantic alliance by offering increased markets access to EU countries and vaccines against COVID-19 to ASEAN. How much these efforts will succeed remains to be seen. There is growing concern that Mr. Z's unfettered ambition to seek a global dominance will create newer conflicts such as a pandemic affected and recession hit world can ill afford. Given, given that his colleagues in the Politburo are uh, unable to put brakes on his hegemonic ambitions this year will tell us if the new US president acting with his allies and partners will be able to do so to prevent the world from sliding into new catastrophe. Okay.